Well, of course, yesterday, November 11th, is Veterans Day, and I wanted to take some time this morning to talk to us about that and, and really glean from it as far as uh, we appreciate the, our soldiers and those that are in the military in and through our family and church family and others um, and friends and, and family members that you have, uh, but also the call to us as Christians to be soldiers of the cross. But this weekend, we honor those who are living who have served the armed forces during times of war and those armed forces who have not been in war during wartime as well, all of, you, all of you who have been in the military, because you were willing to serve and are willing to serve. So the, the original Armistice Day was primarily a day set aside to honor veterans in World War I, but in 1954, after World War II, uh, it really required the greatest mobilization of soldiers and sailors and airmen um, ever in the armed forces to, to, in our nation fought um, after that against the, the aggression in, in Korea. And then in the 83rd Congress, they amended the act of the Armistice Day of 1938 by striking out the word armistice and inserting in lieu the word veterans, Veterans Day. So with the approval of the legislation on June 1st, 1954, uh, November 11th became a day of honor to honor our, a day of, uh, to honor American veterans of all wars uh, or in peacetime. So Veterans Day was designated actually as a focus time of prayer. Let me read you a part of the, the, the law that came down there. It says, whereas the observance, I should say, the 11th of November 1918 marked the cessation of the most destructive and far-reaching war in human annals and the resumption by the uh, people of the United States of peaceful relations with other nations, which we hope may never again be severed, and whereas it is fitting that the recurring anniversary of this date should commit, be commended with thanksgiving and prayer and exercises designed to perpetuate peace through goodwill and mutual understanding between nations, and whereas the legislatures of 27 of our states have already declared November 11th to be a legal holiday, therefore be it resolved by the Senate, the House of Representatives concurring, that the President of the United States is requesting to issue a proclamation calling upon the officials to display the flag of the United States on all government buildings, November 11th, and inviting the people of all the United States in observance with day, the day in schools, churches, and other suitable places with appropriate ceremonies of friendly relations with all other peoples. The church is highlighted and called to prayer in this preamble, this thing that was given for us to do. So this weekend is really significant. So who is a veteran? Well, you know who veterans are, especially in this church. We live right out the front gate of McCord Air Force Base, uh, down the street from Fort Lewis. And um, those of you who are serving and have served in the American military, and many people sometimes confuse Memorial Day and Veterans Day, but of course Memorial Day is for those who uh, lived and died in wartime, um, died in the service of their country, and in particular those who died in in battle as a result of their wounds in battle. But while those who died are also remembered on Veterans Day, Veterans Day is set aside to thank God for all those who acted honorably in the military and in wartime and in peacetime as well. Veterans Day is, is for both. Thank the living veterans for their service. To acknowledge that their contributions to our national security are appreciated and to underscore the fact that all those who served, not only those who died, they have sacrificed and done their duty. 
So the word veteran carries with it experience. The very word is, is certain to mean experience. So when you hear someone say, there's a vet, you think about a history. You think about something that happened, about their interaction, that's something that they have endured, experiences that they have. And you often get together with these guys. I've ridden with them on way to men's retreats, and they're talking the whole way about their military service. Why is that? Because if you give an 18-year-old a multimillion-dollar piece of equipment, they're going to talk about it, right? I mean, you give a 21-year-old, put him in this cockpit of a helicopter, he's going to talk about it, right? And their experiences that they had, it's just, it's just a powerful experience, and they share these experiences. And it's, it's important that God's church acknowledges that, and that, that God's church takes a leadership role in showing gratitude to those who have served in our military. And why? Because of war or the threat of war. Not just because you had a tough drill sergeant or a tough CO in some respects. One of my top 10 movies is a movie, We Were Soldiers, with Mel Gibson. And Mel Gibson depicts Lieutenant Colonel Al Moore, and he has the task of leading his men into battle by a newly developed tactic of helicopter by dropping them in, inserting them, an airlift out of the battlefield under fire. So it's, it's one of the first times this was tried, at least to this degree, and the movie is, is gripping account of 395 U.S. soldiers against over 4,000 enemy combatants were lost, and, and, and 1,800 Vietnamese soldiers died, or excuse me, 395 American soldiers and 1,800 Vietnamese soldiers died. So the movie, Hal Moore is kneeling beside his bed with his daughter, ready to say evening prayers, and one of the lines in there, she's talking to him, or I think she's actually laying in bed, and he's talking with her, and he says, she says, Daddy, what is war? What is war? The, qu- the question coming from a child is a chilling thing, really. There are many things we think of when we never would want to expose our kids to. I think war would certainly be one of them, and war is at the top of the list. But as we grow older, we recognize that war will happen because there's evil in this world. The dictionary says war is an organized armed, often prolonged conflict between states, nations, and other parties typified by extreme aggression, social disruption, usually high mortality. War is mentioned in the Bible, perhaps even the precursor to the last time war we are seeing on the news right now before our very eyes, because the scripture talks about that war and that region conducted that way in, in a unique time such as this. I tell you what, friends, If you read Ezekiel 38 and 39, it's like you're reading right out of Fox News or CNN right now. If you watch TV anymore, I don't know very many people that do watch TV anymore. Um, Why war? Because there's a recognition of bondage or injustice. There's a desire for freedom. And then there's a decision to fight. As Christians, we fight for the same reasons our soldiers do. People are in bondage, and we have tasted freedom from sin. 1 Timothy 6.12 says, We fight the good fight, or fight the good fight. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And I, I love that, because our power of our words and our witness is what God has called us to be. 
Military people are called to lay down their very lives. Among the greatest commandments I've, I've heard concerning those who have fought is that they were proud to serve their country, but they were strengthened because they were part of a team. They worked as a team. They have comrades and friends that they, they fought alongside them or learned alongside them. And let's state the obvious first, because they have been put in harm's way. Those who fight today, heading up into the battlefield, searching for an enemy, bringing justice with them. Those who fought in the greatest generation were those Americans considered born between 1900 and 1925 during World War I and fought in World War II. The mortality rate of the infantry on the battlefield in 17 major skirmishes back then was two of every five. 40%. If you were an infantryman, you were going to die. The Civil War was anything but civil. It was the bloodiest war in American history. An estimated 620,000 men died. Fathom that. That is incredible which is equal to the total of the War of 1812, plus the Mexican War, plus the Spanish-American War, and World War I, World War II, the Korean War combined. How many times have we seen soldiers, airmen, Marines pulled away from family to be deployed to desolate areas to be the strong arm of America? I'll never forget September 11th, 2001. Our church was shaken our abundant life those of you who are here or before then you remember our church used to be 70 percent or more active military families jared shaken said you remember right it was devastating of the church in a couple services and then all of a sudden everybody gets deployed and all the people went home to wherever home was and a hard effect on our church but it's pretty remarkable the soldiers and their families also suffered the battlefield or the staging area being trained for contingencies, but still not really knowing what to expect, training for things most people would not want to even know about. I was here during the time of Desert Shield, Desert Storm, September 11, Operation Iraqi Freedom, families concerned about loved ones. I have seen that, and we have had many soldiers before deployments are getting ready to at these altars, as they told us, and we would gather around them as a church and and pray for them as they were getting sent out with their units and their, their wings. For those of you who are in airlift wings, those are guys in the Air Force. I don't want to sue the Air Force guys, you know. It's just too bad that, you know, there's such this difference between Air Force and Army, right? You know, Air Force has got all the plush stuff, and the Army guys have to sit on wood benches. It's really quite Anyway, one of the bloodiest battles of, the world, of world War I was in Flanders, Belgium north of France, and one of the few things that survived the bloodshed was the poppy plants. John McCree, a Canadian doctor, served on the battlefield and wrote this poem after treating the wounded and burying the dead. It's called In Flanders Fields. In Flanders Fields, the poppies blow between the crosses row and row that mark our place, and in the sky, the lark still bravely singing fly. Scarce heard among the guns below, we are the dead short days ago. We lived, fell down, saw sunset glow, loved and were loved, and now we lie in Flanders fields. Take up our quarrel with the foe, to you from failing hands we throw. The torch be yours to hold it high, if you break faith with us who die. We shall not all sleep, 
though poppies grow in Flanders fields. I um, have always written songs. I have a book of 300 songs that I've written, and not very many of them are any good, right? <laughs> I recorded some of the good ones, and we, I think we're still on iTunes. We have an album from the Fish Out of Water days, but even before that, I had a band called In His Service, and um, I wrote this song some time ago, and I'm going to try to sing a song here, and um, put my guitar. I was reminded of this after 2001 and wrote this song in response to that. Am I on? Oh, say, can you see by the dawn's early light? It's not just simple words in the anthem we recite. We have stood through time against enemies that threatened our hopes and all that freedom needs. And our liberty was earned through sacrifice of those who fight for us and pay the price and freedom is worth every battle cry and freedom isn't free it's no cliche or clever line we're proud of our soldiers those who fought and fight and to every warrior's family boy and girl left behind you are our heroes from sea to shining sea you protect the rights we keep our faith family and freedom America America God shed his grace on me give every soldier the strength they need bless every man and woman that wears our uniform protects the freedoms for which this nation Because of their soldier sacrifice, we stand side by side with every race, creed, and line. Oh, this country has bled for our peace, and they are the reason we have liberty. We're proud of our soldiers, those that fought and fight, and to every warrior's family, boy and girl left behind. You are our heroes from sea to shining sea. You defend the rights we keep our faith, family, and freedom. Freedom. We're proud of our soldiers. Those who fought and fight And to every warrior's family Boy and girl left behind You are our heroes From sea to shining sea You defend the rights we keep We're proud of our soldiers Those who fought and fight And to every warrior's family Boy and girl left behind You are our heroes From sea to shining sea You defend the rights our faith, family, and freedom. Freedom. Oh. 
We do, don't we? It's something when you hear a song or you about America and you're reminded of the sacrifices that were made. And we are proud of our soldiers, those who served honorably. And when I think about that, I also think about, if I can equate this carefully, and I think it's worthy of equating because the Bible does so, to our jobs as enlisted people in God's army. John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no man than this, and he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Physical war reminds me of the spiritual war. It reminds me of the battle that we're in. There is no greater war today than the war for people. It is a ravaging war, and freedom is something that is lost on the populace. It is a war that ravages peace and tears apart families. It's a war over the soul of every person in the world. Remember Jesus said in Matthew 10, 28, don't be afraid of those who can kill the body and after that can do no more. For rather fear him who has power to cast both body and soul into hell. Yeah, you should fear him. Freedom and knowing Christ brings us away from that fear, no longer serving the repercussions of sin. This war of our soul for souls is at our doorstep. We've got to be soldiers to endure and willing to endure hardship. 2 Timothy 2.3 says, To endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Our military is called upon to go places and to raise our flag. And there are our core values of freedom that we are unashamed of as Americans. We, Even if you're on the left side of the aisle or the right, there's this common understanding that we appreciate our freedom. Well, at least most of us, there are some crackpots out there. But stars and stripes are raised, and they're raised boldly without shame. They're raised and they represent a value system. They raise a value system in America that we start starting to see crumble. Friends, the church should be leading by example with this kind of boldness. Not only should it be the military that, that we have that goes to a place and puts our flag up, but our flag is being raised all the time. The banner in our life is Jesus Christ. We live in a country where the hope of Christ, Jesus, methodically stays sometimes inside the church. And friends, that, that can't be the case. Soldiers come to get trained, but then they go out. We, we ought to have an even greater boldness and unashamed attitude as believers about our faith in Jesus Christ. You don't have to have all the theological answers down pat. You don't have to know everything, but you do understand this one thing that you have experienced and tasted the freedom that God has to offer. You have more likelihood of getting mugged by nuns today than you do of getting harmed by sharing Christ with someone that you know. I don't know anybody that's gotten mugged by nuns, but it's not a very high statistic. We live in a very luxury place. The God of all comfort is not God, but comfort is our God. This is what Paul says. He says, don't get comfortable. Endure hardship like a good soldier. As a believer, be a witness for the Lord. 
The greatest witness to reach people is not the pastors preaching, the church, the church sign, the website, the podcast, the YouTube channel. It's not the mailer. All these things are not bad. They're good things. But the greatest ambassador, the witness, is you and I. We carry the message of Christ. The greatest outreach for God's soldier is carrying your witness unashamed. We can enjoy our relationships here at church. We're family, and I like that. We are family. Ray and Cindy and me, oh, oh, oh. We enjoy that, and, but we can't enjoy just sitting in our spiritual easy chair of the church expecting people to walk through the doors just because we have a light on the sign outside. Just having a sign-off that says we're open doesn't mean we're open. We so enjoy, I think, sometimes being inside without understanding that there's a whole world outside. Good soldiers are unashamed. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first for the Jew and also to the Greek. There are reasons that people are ashamed. I think some people are ashamed because of what people may think of them. Well, I know that uh, I, I'm a Christian, and they think that I'm a goody two-shoes then, and it's just not going to go very well, and they'll think that I'm kind of weird. They won't speak with me anymore. They won't be my friend because I'm a Christian now. But Jesus talked about this and how important it was to remember. He says in Matthew 5, Blessed are you when people insult you and say all kinds of evil things about you falsely for my name's sake. Because your, your reward is in heaven. It's not here. You're called to be about the mission where you are. Your neighbors next door, everybody that you know, to lead them to Jesus. Don't necessarily have to bring them to church so pastor can lead them to Jesus. You are the ambassador, friends. You are the one carrying the message. You are the one with the Romans road. You are the one with Romans 10, 9, and 10. You are the one that understands the scriptures. You are the one that has these staples, right? You are the one that knows the Romans road. Okay. Oh, whoo. I have failed there for a minute. Um, right? We carry with us this, this message. Jesus saves and changes many of our appetites when we do. We'll be ashamed. Some are ashamed because they're afraid that people will learn that you like Jesus stuff now. Boy, I like Jesus stuff. I'm starting to like, like Jesus music. And I think Jesse snickers a little bit if we're working on a job somewhere and I pull up my old Striper play tune list. To hell with the devil! Yeah. Probably not something you want to say like, or Petra, I'm, I'm playing this stuff, you know, back from my day. Oh, I'm getting old. And they just had a tour concert and I missed all of them. And they're barely, I mean, they're walking up there, walkers and playing electric guitar. <laughs> that should be us. Amen. Oh boy, 80s rock, it was great stuff, but it's gone now. Some are ashamed because they're afraid that people, they'll learn that you like Jesus stuff. You like Jesus music. You like Jesus movies. You, you enjoy things that are true, honest, lovely, and of good report. You don't like the dirty stuff anymore. Your desire begins to change. And if, and if, if any of your friends knew that you like this or that, man, that would freak them out. 
But you know, Paul says in Ephesians 5.8, he says, Once you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. Have nothing to do with foolish and stupid arguments, for you know they produce quarrels, and the Lord's servant should not quarrel, but he should be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful, and hope that you'll lead someone to Jesus. I said Jesus, didn't I? I I But in verse 10, he says, find out what pleases the Lord. As we're walking with Christ, we're on a discovery of things that we know that are pleasing to the Lord. What pleases God in your life? A life that loves his word, a life that lives in relationship with Jesus by the Holy Spirit. We, we know this will contrast the world, and we shouldn't be surprised that some may be ashamed because they're afraid people might learn that they, they, they believe what's in the Bible. You believe in the Bible? Oh, man. The world's misconceptions are about the Bible is because they learn their doctrine from movies and political pundits. Not very many people have actually opened it and, and tried to to cross-reference and understand what it's saying. Remember, most people learn it from from pop culture. You have an advantage there because you know the word, right? Amen? Thank you, Nancy. So if you're afraid, people will think, oh, great, there's a Bible thumper. That can be tough because they've already drawn conclusions about you that have created a monster of some kind. Because in this culture today, if you believe the Bible... You're already some sort of prejudice in your life. or You're, you're anti-this, you're anti-that. You have all this phobia things. We believe what's true and honest, but we love everybody. That's the key. I, do, I wouldn't care if someone was in our church this morning doing whatever. If they were living a homosexual lifestyle, maybe somebody is. We still love you. We care about you. That's sin, that is living not for what God would have for you. There's somebody that, some people that are drawn, they're tempted toward things that, that maybe some other people aren't, and they feel like, oh man, the church isn't for me. You gotta let them know that, hey, we still love you no matter what you're tempted with. And no matter if you're failing. Come on now, that's good preaching, right? <coughs> Amen, thank you, Nancy. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than what? Any double-edged sword, able to discerning, or able to piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, to be the discerner in thoughts and intents of your heart. The Word of God is the only book in the world. The Bible's the only book that you don't read it. It reads you. And we need to have it in our lives. Some people might be ashamed of what they might think about their church. Oh, man, our pastor, he's nuts. I'm not going to invite them there. What if somebody worships and is a little too excited in their expression to God? Ooh, what if somebody speaks in tongues? That'd be terrible. Oh, man, now we can't have them come to our church because we're freaky people. What if pastor jumps off the platform or something or does something crazy like preaches loud or long? That would be really strange. What are they going to think of Nancy? I mean, that'd be bad. If they heard... If they heard what my pastor says every Sunday about holiness or living for God, they'd be totally freaked out. you got to let them know, hey, come to church anyway. We're lifting up the Bible. None of us meet its standards. But the Holy Spirit is helping us as we live for Christ. The message of Jesus is meant to freak all of us out a little bit. It's meant to freak out creation entirely. I mean, everything in the Bible is upside down. The servants are leaders. The leaders are servants. 
Those who are poor are rich. Those who are rich are poor. It's, it's a kingdom upside down. The first or last, the meek will inherit the earth. And salvation is by grace, not by how good you are. I mean, the Bible is just whacked up according to the world standards. It's everything opposite of what people think, though, that it is. Because the message of grace somehow gets lost with most people that you know because they think that Christians are all about being legalistic and, and you got to talk right and speak right and look right. you got to be, you know, just right. I wore this today, this coat. And I was making a joke a little bit with Phil in the foyer. I said, watch, here comes two more. And Dale and Elaine were walking in. And sure enough, Dale says, boy, you look nice today. I said, see, I, instead of jeans and a T-shirt, I'm wearing a jacket. And because of that, I, and I even rode my motorcycle. I'm so, man, I just am looking good, aren't I? But we don't have to look the part, do we? We don't have to act the part. We, we, we act what is inside. And, and as we grow to become more like Jesus, we're going to act more like Jesus. We're going to be weird. You're going to look strange. You're going to want to sing hallelujah to the Lord God Almighty. You're going to want to begin to, to worship him. When I get in the car and when I turn, I can't even try to listen to me some songs without crying and weeping. Just don't ride in a car with me. You'll be scared to death if I'm driving. Just ask Jesse. It happens to me all the time, doesn't it, Jesse? He knows. But the reason Paul is unashamed and he calls us to do the same is because he knows the power of this thing. That has been, we have been transformed. We have been renewed. Jesus is life. And, and he understands that. And we need to understand that too, that Jesus is life. Jesus gives life. Jesus makes life. Jesus produces a lifestyle. Living, uh, loving Jesus in his word will make us love Jesus' work, will make us love his people, will make us love his church, love his ways, love his stuff. I'm not ashamed of the gospel means that I am unashamed of the message of Jesus and, and how it's, what it's about and in the story of Jesus. I'm, I'm not ashamed of the history of Jesus. I'm, I'm unashamed to talk about Jesus. I'm unashamed to mention Jesus' name. I'm unashamed that his words are said in my church. I'm unashamed that his life is the life that I want to emulate and the life that I want to live. I'm, I'm unashamed of him at my school. I'm unashamed of him at my work. I'm unashamed with my friends. I understand he is counterculture. He's not subculture. I understand he may not be cool. I understand that there may be some distance I may distance myself from some others because of him I understand that some won't listen to me because of him I understand that I will love everybody because of him I understand that I may go to prison because of him I understand I could lose my job because of him I understand there will be tough times because of him but he is savior he is the undeniable king he is the unrefutable creator of all things he is love he is kindness he is life his spirit gives me life his spirit gives me hope his mercies are new every morning there is something when I come to Jesus that is different from everything in the world every other voice singing every other country song about every sorrowful sad thing you could possibly think of and yet I come to Jesus and he has life I am unashamed of that and I'm glad that he is my savior. Like many of our soldiers and airmen, the early church was willing to die. You know what? That was the source of their strength and their joy. And many of them did. My dad was drafted in 1965 to the Navy. And he has this annual, this book that they give, like when you graduate high school, 
know, it's got the pictures of all of them in it. I don't know if any of you guys got one of those from his basic training and all that. So he never went to war. Um, it was over before he, you know, really had the opportunity to go aboard a ship and do what he was, you know, going to do. Um, but my uncle, uh, one of my uncles did. And when we were there to see him uh, a few years ago, he died just a couple years ago in a very tragic way outside of the um, facility he was in. His wheelchair had tipped over, and he, he died outside in the cold. Um, but he served in Vietnam and was part of the insertion team that pioneered some of the Hal Moore story type of stuff. Dan Fox could tell you about the helicopter stuff. He, he lived that, and some of you uh, may be able to talk about your stories as well. But when I think about that, they were wholly committed because they had to be. There was no choice. And once you make that, once you come to that point where you realize there's no alternative, you have to. There is a have to moment where I've signed the dotted line. I'm going with these this group. I'm I'm in this team. I have to now. Friends, salvation should make us want to. It should drive us to desire. It should make us want to live Jesus so out loud. A good soldier also follows orders. It bothers me when I hear when people criticize our armed forces. Very popular today. There's some of the feed in my social media, some of these kids on TikTok telling the America, Man, they don't need to bring the draft to me. They put a gun in my hands, and I just sit down and play video games. I'm like, what are you, nuts? You have no concept, kid. I understand that it's their right, maybe, to protest. Or, but part of the travesty became very real when we cast young men right out of high school into war, and they come home and not honored as soldiers. In the name of freedom, people criticize. And there's no complaining about without repercussion. There's no neglecting to follow orders without punishment. The soldier has no choice. and There's no doing what the soldier wants or desires. There's only following the orders. It's up to us to honor those who fought. And it wasn't up to them to question the orders. They didn't have the right. And I, we know stories of those who try, but only to follow the orders. If you're going to dig a hole here and pile the sand there and then pile the sand back in the hole and that's your day's work, that's just what you do. You don't ask questions. A good soldier also stays focused. 2 Timothy 2.4 says, No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. Paul calls civilian affairs like being the opposite of a, of a good soldier of Christ. Civilian affairs are still what everybody else is doing, but a soldier has a new calling. They, they've got a higher commitment, and, and they have a responsibility. And, and he makes a contrast, very obvious, Paul does. In other words, in order to experience the full life that God has to offer, seek to please God. Seek to please him. Jesus is our commanding officer. Paul writes again in Ephesians 5.8, I quoted it before, they're supposed to find out what pleases the Lord. And in verse 11, he says, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. In other words, there are things when we come to Christ that we move away from because we've moved into new relationship. Uh-oh. Here comes that sanctification thing. Uh-oh. What is being said here? 
what is being said is we can't get older without growing up. We can't come to Christ and abdicate our responsibility to grow more mature in his word. We can't just come to Christ and say we're not going to follow orders anymore. We have to say, yes, I am committed to Jesus, and I want to know what he has to say to me in my life. Paul finds, says, find out what pleases God. If, if you're married, you're married because you love that person and find out what pleases them and makes them happy. First Timothy 6.12, Paul, Paul writes to the young pastor, he says, fight the good fight of faith, take hold of the eternal life to which you were uh, called when you made your confession in the presence of many witnesses. You know, America enjoys freedoms today because we were founded on the overwhelming power of the freedom from God's word. This was the primary reason that the Declaration of Independence was written. The ingredients of freedom were found in the word, and because of revival, really, in, in several ways, uh, the formation of our country came to be. A lot of stuff, you will never find these things in history books, but it used to be back in the day that pastors were leading contributors and, and spiritual leaders and churches were leading contributors to the formation of governments. It was because of God's word that America was founded to break off from the tyranny of the strictness of the, the overbearing rule of the Catholic church and to come into a place of Protestantism that was a free expression, just embracing the grace of God without the rules Getting it opposite is wrong. America knew that. It was for religious freedom as one of the primary causes for leaving uh, England. No bondage is too great that God's grace can't overcome it. No matter what we may ex- be experiencing, we, might, we may say, well, pastor, I'm not experiencing much freedom. I don't understand this cause. I don't understand why I'm called to be a soldier when I feel so bound. And I want to let you know that, friends, That's part of the journey in life. You don't have to be ashamed that you might be struggling with something. Paul writes in Galatians 4.3, he says, See also, when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. He says in verse 4, But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full rights as sons. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. The goodness of our God is that he doesn't leave you in a place of a lack of freedom. He does not desire you for to live in that place of bondage. He does not desire for your life to be bound up with all kinds of things that pull you away from the goodness and grace and love of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because we're in a war. And friends, he's already won the war. We're just in these skirmishes, in these battles. But the war of sin has been conquered for you. The battle has been fought. A war and the battles, the skirmishes that you might be going through, the difficulties in life can be bloody and gruesome. Scripture says Jesus understands that. For he was bloody and bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace, the beating for our peace was on him. And by his lashes and scrapes and torn flesh, we are healed. There's freedom from addiction through the cross of Christ. I know some that are walking this road right now and 
You're in our church fellowship. You're not any different than anybody else. We all struggle in life with these things. But friends, I want you to know that freedom is in Jesus Christ. His Holy Spirit can do a work in you to create an unction for the things of God that will overcome the things of the enemy. It's going to take you getting in his word. I'm not going to discount it and say, I've seen people that we've prayed for that have been delivered just like that from smoking cigarettes. I don't believe the smoking cigarettes might send you to hell. You just might get to heaven quicker than the rest of us. Okay, I'm not saying that. Uh, but any bondage that becomes that you can't let go of is something that God wants you to get rid of. If you can't not do it, then it's bound you. And you need freedom. You can't participate in a habitual life of something. If God calls you to get away from it, it's, it's bound you, and you can't let it go, then you need freedom. And the freedom of our Lord can deliver you from that bondage. There's freedom from sickness through the cross of Christ. We preached a couple weeks ago the healing of our God, and we prayed for those that are ill. We believe in the healing power of Jesus Christ. There's freedom for broken marriages and, and lives through the cross of Jesus Christ. There's freedom from fear, worry, and doubt through the cross of Jesus Christ. The freedom that we defend in our country is beautiful. It's wonderful. We have the freedom of speech. We have the freedom to bear arms. We have the freedom to uh, do so many things that so many other places in the world can't. And if they're say that they can, they're not allowed because of social pressures not to. But in America, man, we're loud. Sometimes obnoxious, but we're loud. So if the worst and the most pagan can celebrate their freedom so loudly on the airwaves in America, why can't the believer stand up unashamed and say, I'm unashamed of the freedom that I found in Jesus? You can do it. You can. That freedom has been given to you and I, and I'm so blessed that we share that. I want to make a call to prayer right now, and I want to ask you, if you need the touch of the freedom of God, I want to pray for you. And then I want us to pray for our veterans. So would you bow your heads with me? Pam, would you come? Just right where you're sitting. Father God, I thank you for the privilege of your freedom. Your word says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is liberty. There is uh, an ability to be out from under the pressure to conform. And I thank you, Lord, that we're being made more like you every day. In this room right here, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name and that in these moments that every heart that might be struggling with an addiction, might be struggling with a hidden sin, that might have something going on in their life, that they need your freedom for, I pray, Lord, that you would touch them now so that we can be good soldiers at the cross. If you're here and you're experiencing this tug of the Holy Spirit that says, I want that freedom, would you lift your hand where you're sitting? Yes, thank you. Someone else, yes, thank you. Yes, thank you over there. You can put your hand down, put your hand down, thank you. Would you pray with me, friends, for these? Lord, we pray for these right now that in their struggle, that they would turn to you. Lord, and I ask you, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, come and touch their lives. You said we can ask and that you will, Lord, according to your will. And we know that your will is freedom. 
the bondages and struggles that they may be facing, God, we pray that you would give them your peace. Help them to know that you are walking through life with them and you will help them. You will be their aid. You'll be their rear guard and you will lead them. Bless them now and bring your deliverance, I pray. In Jesus' name. Jesus.